Blog Talk Radio. From Live in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at School. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help challenging students and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach in your classroom and your school. If you have a question or comment, call 646-727-2691. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about challenging kids and how we can help them. Hey there, and welcome to today's program. Today is, of course, my favorite day of the month on collaborative problem solving at school because we have the educators panel on the first Monday of every month, and today is the first Monday of December. I don't know how many of our educators panel members we're going to have today. I think that Tom may not be with us today, last I heard, because of a uh, family situation that he had to attend to. I know that we have Nina on with us today, Um, and I don't know if we're going to get Carol with us today, but I'm going to bring Nina on the phone. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. Um, Tell me, do folks in school look forward to these long vacations? Uh, I think they look forward to the vacations, but it's a hard time of year for for children in between the holidays, so that's always a challenge. (laughs) Yeah, so we are both... uh, I mean, I've heard people say to me lately that they're running on fumes looking to the vacation. I don't know if you or people in your school are feeling that way these days. I think that many of us feel feel that way for sure. It's always good to recharge, but um, helping these kids at these hard times is at least we have some tools. That's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) And the truth is I feel like I'm running on fumes whether it's the holidays or not. So um, maybe (laughs) a lot of people in schools feel that way these days with all that's going on in schools. Um, Yep. I I had an interesting thing that I was hoping we could talk about on the educators panel today. It's come up in um, some of, and by the way, if just because this is educators panel day doesn't mean that people should not feel, uh, should not call in. That number is 646-727-2691. I do have a uh, topic that I wanted to discuss with Nina and Carol if she calls in, but um, we also have some email that we can answer. Um, collectively if we want to. Um, Here's the thing that's been coming up in my work with um, a group of educators lately. They are having trouble fitting the discussion they're supposed to be having using the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems into the 45-minute to an hour period that they have to discuss kids in the meetings that they have. And by the way, as many of you who are listening know, uh, those meetings don't always sometimes last 45 minutes. Sometimes you got to cobble together two 20-minute meetings um, because meeting time is such a precious commodity in schools these days. Um, but there's a variety of factors related to that that have been coming up 
Number one, that it's hard to find the meeting time, and I'm wondering if we can talk about that a little bit, how you guys have done that in your school. But number two, what I'm hearing is that people are having trouble covering all those lagging skills and all those unsolved problems in their meetings. And one of the things they are doing to deal with that, and these are not things that I necessarily recommend, is they may have people come into the meeting with the ALSOP already filled out. I usually am not enthusiastic about that idea because – the ALSIP is supposed to be a discussion guide, not a freestanding checklist. And even though the discussion may take longer than checking off items, um, it's a lot more productive to discuss the kid than to simply look for a percentile that will describe the kid. But here's the other thing I've been noticing, and I'm wondering how you all have dealt with it or if you've noticed it as well. The main topic of discussion is, and with this particular group of educators, I have opportunity to listen to their efforts to use the ALSIP. And one of the things I've been saying lately is that in those discussions, there's too much hypothesizing, theorizing, and storytelling going on. And that that is taking people away from lagging skills and unsolved problems that they're supposed to be talking about. Yep. But now I'll be quiet. Let, let's let's go back to the first issue. How how do you all? This is a different issue than how do you find the time to do Plan B. That's a different discussion. Right. Yep. In your school, how have you found time to have discussions about individual challenging kids with the ALSIP as the discussion guide? How have you done it? Well, we have you know tweaked things along the way, um, but. What we've really stuck to is to keep our student assistance team time that we've always had um, on you know, Thursday mornings at 8 o'clock. We just have always had that time for a group of teachers, staff members, around 10 of us to meet. And in the past, it was always to discuss challenging children and to, um, you know, for us to create plans for them. So we kept that time and now just focus on CPS and um, using the outset as a team. So we no matter what we keep that time kind of sacred. We don't schedule other meetings in the school. Um we keep that and then we also since since meeting as a CPS team, we do that on Tuesdays after school. We've kept that every Tuesday as well even without our you know we don't have our weekly um Skype with Kim anymore, but we kept that team together every Tuesday to either have a teacher present an LSEP or or talk about plan B's or talk about successes or talk matching up times for people to start with plan B's. But I think it's just so important, you know, at any time that we've tried to do something where we just say, well, we'll schedule a meeting for that, it never, that never comes together. So keeping that every week, no matter what, getting together, even if there isn't a plan in place to have a specific student to talk about, you know, we always are able to find find something to discuss or brainstorm about. Um, like even last week, we didn't have a specific child, but then I was able to p- present and do an ALSEP on the child that I was particularly concerned about. Um, so, you know, we make use of that time. Yet the other thing that we've been really trying to implement is our teachers all have grade-level team meetings once a week that's required, and they have release time for that. So uh, at 2.30, the children all go into the gym, and then they have time together. And we're really trying to have now that teachers are more comfortable with the ALSEP, having them to do that at those meetings as well so they don't have to wait, you know, a whole week. And a lot of times all the 
teachers on one grade level, especially if a student is exhibiting many challenging behavior, they'll all know that student. So that's really helpful to do at that point. So we're encouraging that. So the the Kim that you were referring to is the person who you received supervision from yep. in the project that you're participating in in the state of Maine that was funded by the that is being funded by the juvenile justice advisory group there, and um, so your school as part of that project got uh, twenty or so supervision sessions in implementing collaborative problem solving, um, which is about as cool as it gets, but it sounds like yeah. this meeting that takes place to talk about challenging kids predated your participation in the project. Is that true? Yes. It was, you know, the state of Maine has student assistance teams where we were all trained, you know, probably 10 years ago in, in how to um, discuss challenging children and to make action plans and, um, you know, and then, have somebody kind of oversee different children and be the mentor and follow the plan. But once we were trained in CPS, we really replaced the old model, the old SAT model, with all CPS paperwork and philosophies. And it's really just made so much sense to begin involving the student when, um, you know, trying to solve the problem instead of spending many, many minutes hypothesizing and um, telling telling stories and trying to figure out the why without um, without the student involved. Mm-hmm. So it's been really, really powerful for us. What's your, you know, what's your experience? I mean, my in, in a lot of my work with schools these days, schools are very variable in the degree to which there is this meeting time set aside. It sounds like you have two meetings a week that have been set aside. One that you set up, uh, one that is sort of just standard operating procedure in your school, and the other that came as a byproduct of the collaborative problem-solving project that you participated in. But you've kept doing it even though your formal supervision in the project has ended, yes? Yes, yep, because there, there are people that are dedicated to the process and really you know, crave that time together to just to be – figuring out how to integrate CPS into our school as well as to support each other and to, um, you know, look at the kinks in the system and uh, support each other because it's, you know, as as we're finding we're at kind of the end of uh, implementing it in the school that I I think this is almost the hardest part (laughs) is trying to really make sure that this can, we can call ourselves you know, a collaborative problem-solving school, and we and have everybody feel comfortable. You kind of just realize that there are still a lot of questions and um, a lot of ways that we need to support staff, so we can help each other bringing up those problems and then figuring out what to do next. So I I don't think we could do it without meeting. Both well, this is the interesting time. thing: is um, people. You know, I'm coming into contact with a lot of people who are finding, who are trying to get to know the kid in such a brief period of time, Hmm. trying to sort of jam all of this discussion into such a brief meeting that um, they end up not really uh, gathering the information about the student that they would have liked. People's lenses don't change. They don't really know what unsolved problems they're going to be working on. And I 
must say I find that to be um, we, we might as well not meet because um, if we don't gather the information, if we don't organize the effort, if we don't have the right lenses on, then this is going to sound a little blunt. What's the point in meeting? Right. We're just going to go back to the old way of doing things. Uh, you know, if you don't have if you don't have a different lens, and I think for us, um, you know, we we had a lot of training in the beginning around using the LSUP and. It, what we once we were comfortable and once we knew the LSUP a little bit better, it definitely started going quicker. Instead of, you know, I think we started by reading like each and every lagging skill and spent too much discussion about each one. And now, now we kind of we put it on an overhead, you know, we put it on the screen and look at it and and kind of the, all of us together pick off the ones that make sense. So. You know, it's a definite discussion tool, and I was, you know, I, I think that's one of the great things about the LSUP and the thing that I've really talked to the staff about is we don't want it to be another piece of paperwork that somebody does in isolation and just hands to the team and then we decide what to do with it. It just, you know, that's, again, that's going to frustrate staff. They have plenty of other paperwork and things they're checking off. So it, it works so much better as a discussion tool, and it brings a framework of, who the student is and what they're struggling with. So what would you say to somebody who's listening to the program, who is listening to this discussion and saying, um, I don't think I can devote 20 minutes to talking about an individual student's lagging skills and unsolved problems, and I certainly can't devote two 20-minute meetings to it, um, you know better, but what would you say to somebody who is having trouble envisioning this? Mm-hmm. Well, I would try to be very Plan B and, and try to figure out what their what the you know, what their concerns are about the about devoting the time because I mean, in reality, they're going to be spending much more than twenty minutes talking about talking about the behavior that's happening in the classroom or um, you know, venting about the frustration that they're having. So kind of framing it as being proactive will save them so much more time. And, you know, to get away from talking about things that they have no control over and, um, you know, that the behavior is just a sign of what what the problems are and that that's the issue that we really want to get to and that we could really help and support the teachers in solving the problem. So I would try to point out that, they would be devoting that time anyway, but this is a, a much more proactive use of their time. Yeah, I mean, that's what I find is that if the meeting isn't productive, if the meeting doesn't focus on helping us understand and helping us know what to do next, and as I've been saying in my talks lately, lagging skills and unsolved problems are the raw material of understanding and the raw material of helping. I find yeah. that if we don't take the time to gather that raw material, we end up spending more time because we just keep meeting. Right, and there's nothing more frustrating. I mean, for me, and I'm for sure for many educators, as being in a lot of meetings where you're saying the same exact things and not getting anywhere. So, And I really don't want teachers to come and, you know, who are excited about CPS and leave feeling frustrated or like that they were just 
you know, spent 20 minutes doing what they've always done. We want it to be a different experience and, and they feel like they have a plan of action, um, which is why you do want to make sure you have enough time. Also, if you're just I – mean, the, the 30 minutes we've tried, we've really gotten pretty down at those uh, Thursday morning meetings because we did find ourselves in the beginning feeling like, you know, they, we didn't even go through those outs up all the way while they were out the door. So you want it to be you want it to be ample time, so that they leave with with a plan B scheduled, or else they're gonna, they're not going to come back. Mhm. Mhm. Um, so, so we really, you know, getting to know the alpha better and realizing that we're not not even no, stories aren't important. Like somebody does a really quick summary to kind of catch people up. We try to have people that um, specialists that know the um, students be a part of that team. But of course, there are there are some people on my team who don't always know everybody, so a quick summary and then quickly going to ALSEP really is, has been helpful. Yes, as I sometimes say, I know a, uh, it's not you, I know a um, special educator in Maine who starts all of her student assistant team meetings by saying, let's spend the first two minutes of our meeting talking about things about which we can do nothing, just to get it out of our system, <laughs> and then we'll it. spend the rest of our meeting talking about the things we can actually do something about, lagging skills, unsolved problems. Um, but it's not yeah. you, somebody else. Um, so along those lines, but uh, before I go to along those lines, sure. it sounds like this was a gradual process for you all to move from um, whatever you were talking about in your meetings to talking yep. about lagging skills and unsolved problems. How did you get there? How did the transition well, occur? It occurred after, you know, after – going to some of your trainings and, you know, me and Kathy Bousquet going to trainings and realizing that we had to shift the shift the SAT team towards including um, students and focusing on what we can do something about. But it, it just took practice. I think it took practice and a commitment and a devotion to the time and not, not just see this as something that um, something else we were just going to try for a little bit, but something we were really committed to. And, and then you really um, were able to streamline things and in practice and we spent time with Kim you know you wouldn't necessarily have to do that with a with a supervisor too you could just do it as a team is practice using the LSAP and get good at it and as soon as you have a few people you know on your team that feel really comfortable then you can uh, help each other out and remind each other about what the focus is and it, it it's so natural. I don't know if it's everywhere or just in schools, but it is so natural to really try to analyze a situation and analyze the why, where, yeah. So we, I mean, as teachers, we just keep so trying to check ourselves. Like, okay, well, you know, we we don't need to really we we can't psychoanalyze the why kids are acting this way or their family dynamics. We just need to concentrate on what we can do, and that's. You know, that that's enlightening for people because we are able to do that now even about problems you know that we're having as a staff or as a you know as a school we can say well we can't do anything about what money we're given or not given so what can we do here it it gives you the power of of create, creating change and i and i've seen that you know i've seen that with our staff feel really good when we can um focus in on what we can do something about instead of feeling hopeless and helpless well, and talking about things about which you can do nothing can make you feel hopeless and helpless for sure. Yes. Uh, now I'm ready to, I mean, um, we're ready, I hope. The other point is what we talk about in these meetings. Um, yes. And there 
life gets especially interesting because I find that there is a great deal of theorizing that takes place in these meetings, um, theorizing and hypothesizing. And it's not that hypotheses are terrible. Right. It's just that, um, well, the truth is, we're going to find out what's really going on in the empathy step of Plan B. Right. And so these days, whenever I'm hearing people spending a great deal of time theorizing and hypothesizing, I'm sitting there thinking, these are wonderful theories. These are wonderful hypotheses about what's getting in the kid's way, but we're going to find out what's getting in his way in the empathy right. step of Plan B. So why are we spending so much time theorizing and hypothesizing here in our meeting? What we should be spending our time doing here in our meeting is figuring out what his lagging skills and unsolved problems are. That's information... Um, that's that's the raw material of what should be taking place in a meeting. What, what do you find? I, I think that's so true because again, I think that you know that's what we fall back on because that's what we've always done, um, you know, as counselors, as educators, as special ed teachers, and it's it's hard to change. But if you check each other on it and um, be more self-reflective to realize what you're doing, I agree completely that because you could be right or you could be way off base, and it's it's gonna it's not going to help when you want to go into the plan B session, you know, with a completely open mind, ready to go whatever direction the child is leads you, you know, because obviously they're the ones that they know what they're thinking and, and the reasons behind their challenging behavior. So it's, it doesn't help the process and it does create a lot lengthier meeting and frustration when you don't have a, a time and a plan for, um, the next steps. So, but I do. I think, you know, I don't know if it's just an elementary school thing, but we, I've all, you know, or a counseling thing. But it's, I've spent a lot of time trying to create theories that I realize now were always even pretty useless because uh, they didn't get me anywhere. And sometimes you might have been right. It might be interesting conversation, but it's not um, helpful when you're under time constraints and really just want you want the challenging behavior reduced in the classroom. I agree. That's that's a big problem. Now, how did you get? I mean, one of the things that coming that's coming up in my work with some of the schools I'm working with is that the people who are running the meetings are worried that if they try to put a um, limit on the hypothesizing and the theorizing and the storytelling, that people will be offended or that people yep. will feel like they're not being heard. And that since, and I don't want to make a general statement, this is what some people have said, since that's what people are used to doing in the meetings, then you know, having a rather focused, specific discussion about lagging skills and unsolved problems is, um, this is going to be new. How do you, yep. how do you move people in the direction of gathering productive information and having a productive discussion without making them feel like they're not being heard um how do you retrain people well a lot of a lot of training before the meeting we've talked a lot at staff meetings we've really you know had that conversation with staff about the way um that our our new meetings will go when they come and present uh, their child and do the else up but i think 
you know, I, I love what that special ed teacher says, and we, we kind of do that without the humor, just to remind everyone before we start that this is, we have this much time, we really need to get, do the ALSEP together and um, use this as a discussion tool and kind of just remind this, remind the team of of how the meeting is going to go and, and the reasons. But a quick reminder and kind of keeping, and usually myself or Kathy just tries to keep everybody on track um, during during the meeting. And I think if you're if you're creating that relationship as a team and if you're really just talking about CPS as a school, that people don't take it personally and don't feel like we're shutting them off, but we can just explain and just they know that we're trying to um, follow this approach and get to a point where we can help them for what they want the help for. They want the, they want the behavior to be different in the classroom, so that's the ultimate goal. So we haven't really, I think as long as you're really pre-teaching and and explaining what we're doing, that, um, that my staff, do they don't feel like we're just cutting them off or that not listening. Interesting. You know, it does. I mean, I, and I, I, and also the, uh, the lagging schools, they, when you when you talk about the lagging skills, they do, they are able to, you do want to listen to the person who's mostly the classroom teacher who's presenting the child and I think they feel like enough, they get to say enough about the situation by the end. I don't think they leave feeling like they didn't um say say what you know what they've noticed in the classroom and if you and they're able to tell you what their most concerning unsolved problem is so you're really listening to their concerns right there so mm-hmm. that's the problem. Uh, yeah very interesting yeah but uh, i you know i just um for us, the biggest, the bigger issue right now is, like you said, making sure that we have time for the Plan B, and and that I've been hearing too that and people want to make sure that they leave with some solutions. You know, so that's the next, the next part that we're trying to make sure that there's enough time for those Plan B conversations, and sometimes it takes a few of really giving a lot of doing a lot of empathy steps before you can have a plan B where there's some concrete solutions that actually will have potential for for working. So well, I think people want action. Yeah. There may be some exceptions to that belief, but I think people come into meetings hoping that the meeting will lead to some productive action. Yeah. Um, unless they've abandoned hope on that completely. Uh, because they've sat in so many meetings in which the discussion did not lead to action. Uh, As I always say, if if we spend all of our meeting time talking about things about which we can do nothing, then people will come out of the meeting assuming that there's nothing they can do. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think people are looking for action um, to come out of these meetings. And once the lagging skills and unsolved problems have been discussed, and the unsolved problems have been prioritized, and we've designated people who will be working on the high-priority unsolved problems with the student, yep. when when the meeting goes well and when the discussion using the ALSIP is done as indicated, I find that it sets the stage for the action people have been longing for all along. Absolutely. Yep. And now, since we really have a system for making a plan B time and 
checking in with with that person to make sure that happened. There is action and and results happen and teachers are really getting excited about the information they're finding out at the at the plan B meeting. So, you know, focusing again is all trial and error. We definitely realized that we were spending too much time trying to do plan Bs for teachers and now we're trying much harder to just create time that that teachers that might not be that might have not have had the formal training that we've had but um trying to empower them and coach them through plan B so that they're the ones solving the problem because you know, that we quickly found that kind of backfired on us if we would try to run the plan Bs and solve problems we realized that we you know you couldn't you couldn't agree on a solution because you weren't sure if a if a classroom teacher would be comfortable with that solution so this has been you know, we've been doing this better, been doing that much better and been able to find out what teachers are comfortable with with solutions and kind of watching it and guiding it, and it's created a lot of bigger change. So as part of the project you're in, um, yep. you started with a core group of people who got good at collaborative problem solving first. Yep. And is what you're saying that you found that that was all well and good to start with a core group of people, but that it created a bit of a problem of its own, and that is that people were looking to the people who were good at it to do the plan before them? Right, or not even that they were looking for it, but that we felt responsible for doing ah. the plan Bs for everybody. So we were trying to, I think we were, you know, our intentions were really good, and we were trying to help everybody by stepping in and doing this, but I, I think we actually created kind of a bigger problem for a while, but by maybe sending the message that other people couldn't do this, that it was only I see. only that we could do it. Uh-huh. Right, so now we're trying to empower, you know, trying to explain and empower people that it really is. You know, for me, once I, when I went to your first training for the, I think, three- or four-day training, you know, I kind of closed my door and tried things out myself, and that's, you know, trying to encourage other people that they don't need a lot of you know weeks and weeks and years of training that this is something that takes practice and and that they can't mess it up you know you can just close the door and try some things out and we're here to advise you and guide you but it um we don't want them to think that only these you know six people can come in and and do this method because it actually it backfires because you quickly you know, if I'm trying to solve someone's problem and the child's solution is to play, have Legos on their desk during instructional time, and for me, I might think that's a great solution because I wouldn't mind if a student was building while if they could listen during math, but I ha- would have no idea if a classroom teacher felt comfortable with that. So it kind of mm-hmm. created that really hard, um, you know, hard hard point of the conversation where I was looking at the teacher trying to figure out if that's okay and. Um, but it's just so much smoother if you have the two people who are having this problem need to be doing the discussing. Well, it's interesting. I find that in every school there are problems that crop up along the way as they are implementing collaborative problem solving. Yep. In your school, it sounds like you had some people who got really good at collaborative problem solving, and that's the idea of the core group and of yep. working with a smaller group of people initially. And then, either because you felt responsible for it or because 
other people who hadn't yet been involved in the training. Right. They, they, the, the expectation apparently became that you, the people who were good at it would do Plan B for the entire building, which is right. could be viewed as sort of a remnant of the way discipline works in many buildings, which is that right. people have trouble in their classrooms and send the kid to somebody else to get the problem dealt with. And yeah. um, I suppose that collaborative problem solving can be misused in that way as well, what we're learning, right. I suppose. We, and yep. the goal is not to have um, the people who are getting good at collaborative problem solving in the building do plan B for everybody in the building, but rather right. to have the people who are getting good at it help out those who weren't necessarily included in the beginning but yep. are chomping at the bit to learn how to do it or maybe not so chomping at the bit, but to encourage them to participate as well. Right, and, and even when we were offering you know, to sit to sit with staff members, you know, we still, um, you know, I I know certain people just really want to get in and do Plan B and try to and figure it out right away. And I think people were feeling like they had to wait until one of us sat with them. So now that we've really talked to the staff more openly, that please, like, if if you're ready to do this, just we're here to talk about it with you, but you don't need to wait for one of us to sit in on the session. That you can just, uh, we'll help you arrange a time and encourage you and listen and listen to um, anything that you want to process about the session. And you know, that's, I think that's worked much better. I have you know one teacher who's really excited and really wants to get to the get to the bottom of things and find some solutions that work. But I, she was feeling impatient because she thought she had to wait you know wait once a week. And sometimes if she had a session and didn't get all the way through to the solutions, she was feeling like she had to wait for another week. So um, I'm just really excited that she's now, you know, trying to take things upon herself a little bit more and sitting down and trying things, you know, every 15 minutes during the day or the next day. And I think it's going to be much more successful. You know, it's interesting. Um, One of the things I often end up having to deal with is schools that want me to train trainers to do collaborative problem solving. And my attitude has always been the people who train others to do collaborative problem solving the best are the people who've learned how to do it themselves in their buildings and in their facilities and in real life. Yep. Um, Training trainers who haven't really lived it, training trainers who... um, haven't had to do it the real McCoy yep. feels to me very much like having somebody teach pilots how to fly when they haven't flown <laughs> a plane themselves. Yep. Yeah. Oh, um, I, I mean, would, yeah. You are um, uh, very well equipped at this point to begin thinking about training other people because you've lived it. You've yep. gotten your hands dirty. You've gotten your feet wet. You've grappled with all of the hard parts of implementing collaborative problem solving, things that would be very hard to teach you had you not been through the experience. Um, I don't want to have a pilot flying my plane who's been no. trained by somebody who's never flown before. Uh, here's the good news. I believe Carol has joined us. Oh, Carol, have, here. You, have you joined Please us? Please tell me I'm not half an hour late again. You are not. You are 35 <laughs> minutes late. Oh my goodness! The time zone thing is really messing me up here. I thought we were three hours. Apparently, we're three and a half. 
Uh, what time you got out there in British Columbia? It is one o five. Well, that's three hours, but the program yeah. starts at three thirty Eastern, which would be twelve thirty for you. Okay, okay. I've got to fix my email. My email says that it's four o'clock Eastern. So, I apologize, oh, no, but I'm here. We did it again. <laughs> here I am. <laughs> no, I was really interested in just what you were saying about your your. I think you're right about you know people who have kind of taught themselves the process and and have gone through all of the the you know kids saying I don't know or the silent treatment or or you know having it take a long time to even get to some generating some ideas. You know, because the people who've actually tried it and failed and tried again can can walk people through it a lot better. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they've got that. Um, I don't know. The 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 people can understand that. Yeah, it's not always easy, and they can be the ones to say, "But keep going, keep trying, because it's worth it." Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that a lot as a parent too, because when I, you know, I have a lot of empathy for and admiration for the parents that are trying collaborative problem solving at home because. You know, honestly, for me, working with kids all day and then with um, my children, I find I find CPS harder and with my own kids because, I, you know, you just don't have quite as much patience. So when I hear all these families trying it and attempting it, I just I think it's amazing because I do it, – it's so it's, – it changes everything, um, but it's hard work. So, it, you know, yep. trying it at both school and personally, I think um, – Really is the only way to to really be able to help people because I can I can talk about my personal successes too, but also the reality of some of the big challenges of when you're tired or when you're frustrated or when you want to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's and then a great also point. Like, yeah. yeah, and it backfires. You know, right when you resort back to Plan A, you can quickly talk oh, about how it backfires. <laughs> Absolutely, my, my and is, and my, my my problem is my kids have been to so many talks on collaborative problem solving. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, they number one, on they're film. better at it than me at this point. But number two, I just have to get that little look they get on they get on their faces <laughs> when they're saying, "Oh, here we go." Um, and they're yeah, not. They're not I mean, they prefer it. They'll they'll take Plan B over Plan A any day of the week. But yeah. um, I just have to get past the little smirk that right. has them that's them saying. And and Nina, I've met one of your very. Uh, I've met your the. I've met. <laughs> a spunky one of your children. Yes. How how she do with Plan B? Yo, it's really the only way to work with her for sure. You know, like yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that's and, Yep. And any time I resort back to Plan A, I realize how quickly power struggles are a nightmare. And uh, and yep. I have spunkier ones too. That's just one of them. <laughs> that, oh, really? They're, they're spunkier than that. Uh, I would say they are spunkier than that. Yep, I wow. have four spunky, spunky kids. <laughs> and I, you know, me, I wouldn't have it any other way. But it does mean that, and of course, we're getting into the parents program now, which is okay. But it, you know, if you, if you do Plan B with kids, you can expect to hear what their concerns are. That's for sure. And you've given them the message that you do want to hear those concerns, and you've given them the message that their concerns are legitimate. And so yep. um, you have you have quite by intention let your kids know that if they have concerns, you do want to hear about them, but that does increase um, their inclination to let you know when they do have a concern. So watch mm-hmm. out. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yep. yep, and they go to the school. Yep. <laughs> 
What I'd like people to, to, to hear out of all this is that, you know, you're – you're talking as parents, we're talking as educators, but what we're all saying is that there are times when we all kind of, you know, lose our patience or lose our, um, oh, I don't know, just the, the, you know, you run out of energy sometimes and we all slip and we do scoot back into plan A occasionally, but that it does backfire. And so I know for myself, there's a, I've got a student who's got one of those little push scooters and every single day he's trying to ride that thing on the school grounds, and every single day, you know, I've had the Plan B conversation, we've brainstormed some things, you know, and he's still having trouble with it, with just being able to to respect that one rule or to understand why it's a, a safety issue. And uh, one day I kind of slipped and I lost it and I just reacted with a Plan A, and guess what? He, I got sworn at and I got things thrown and, and I went, what am I thinking? And then you have to go back and turn it around and say, you know, obviously this is why I stopped doing planning in the first place. <laughs> right, so exactly. Every once in a while, I look at it as a good reminder. If I slip up, I don't I don't uh, beat myself up, but I just look at it as a reminder of, oh, yeah, that's why I don't do that anymore. And I, I take it as a as, – as a uh, it reinforces my, my desire to do the right thing. So for all of those educators and parents out there, we're human. You know, we do the best we can. We know that we're making a difference, but we're only human. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And once you can be reflective and, and dig a little bit for yourself to realize, okay, it's just that I'm tired or I have a meeting that I need to rush to and I want the scooter to stop, you know, then <laughs> exactly. you can be a little more yeah. honest and like, okay, but it's not working and this maybe it's not the time right now to have the conversation. <laughs> a little plan. Well, you know, I've, I've always said if there's a nice thing about challenging kids, aside from the fact that they sometimes are very high on the spunk meter, <laughs> It's yep. that they are also frequently, and this is not always true, but it's frequently true, they also are very good about providing adults with very explicit feedback on oh, yeah. whether the adult's approach to problem solving is uh, something that's going to actually get the problem solved or not. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, as somebody who likes adults and kids who are honest and straight with you, and forthcoming, um, boy, you know, in in some strange way, these challenging kids sure are refreshing because they're not <laughs> holding their cards very close to their chests. I'll take that any yep. day. Oh, absolutely. And that you can take what they say, you know, as truth and be able to work with it. I, I, you and know, you I don't have to guess what they're thinking. <laughs> no. And I guess that's also like something I've been talking about a lot at school, which is kind of off the topic, but just that, um, you know, I just keep thinking about what we used to do and when we thought kids weren't telling the truth and spending hours trying to get them just to break you know, break down and tell you what you already know knew happened. Um, and, of course, and we know how to that do that because we watch CSI and, uh, exactly. you know, back in a different generation, Hawaii Five-O and Coach Nationals yeah, that were well-equipped. Yeah, and I just I, you know, and, as a, and I just had this conversation with even with a parent about, well, what if you do? She's you know, they're lying, and I said, well, if you know they're lying, you just can say, you know, that's not even the point. You just need to figure out what's going on and how you can help. And you know, and I would remember getting feeling like that was my aha moment when I when I made them tell the truth, and then I just wouldn't know what to do after that. <laughs> so much. So it's just a different way of of thinking. Yeah. Well, and what we what we frequently do when we are grilling instead of drilling. Yes. 
what I, what I find we're often doing that over is we are trying to get to the kid to admit that he did something that yep. we we believe we saw him do. Yep. And I find that boy, is that wasted energy because don't don't we really want to engage the kid in a conversation about the unsolved problem that caused him to do whatever he did, whether he did it or not? I mean, don't we want to steer the conversation over to the thing that we can actually solve rather than on getting him to sort of fess up? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I would think it would be such a relief for a child to hear that that's not what you're going to do and just to say, like, okay, that's kind of off the table. You did it or not did it. Let's try to figure it out. Um, I right. would think that would make somebody feel so much more safe than, okay, they're going to make me say those words and, and go mm-hmm. I just sit here until they – until it happens. So. Well, Carol, I'm sorry that we only were the beneficiaries of 10 minutes of you today. I've, I've emailed the person who emails you to let her know, to remind her that it's 3.30 instead of 4 o'clock. 3.30, got it. It, it won't happen again, <laughs> yes. but we are unfortunately out of time for today. So I want to thank well, you both Well, it's been a pleasure joining you again. And um, yes. we'll talk to you next month. I hope you both have a very nice holiday as well as all of our listeners, and we look forward to having the educators panel back in about a month. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye.